Welcome to Cathedral Talk, a podcast about architecture and Minecraft, where we converse to save Notre Dame. this at the beginning of summer vacation for your students right mine started early because of paternity leave Woo! congratulations i will never have a summer again for my the rest of my life hopefully they'll still be summers until you retire anyway then you just have years you don't have summers you can have summers and years summers in years i don't think you're gonna both i don't think there's a summer tacked on at the end of your year then you'd have two summers i'm so confused anyway this probably isn't going to go uh, into anyone's feed until your students are back in session. Did you did you assign any uh, any summer homework for your students? Oh, no, I don't even know who they'll be yet. Oh, wasn't that something that you guys did when you were in school? Summer homework? Only before my senior year, I think. Yeah, it was only for one class. AP English? Yeah, AP English. Yeah, and mine was particularly dumb because we were assigned to read Once and Future King. That's a good book. We were assigned to read all of the books over the summer before we would read them again in class, one of which was Once and Future King. I read that over the summer. We got to the class at the beginning of fall and clearly like everyone else had started and did not succeed or even try. And so it's like, we don't really want to do this book. And the teacher's like, okay, we won't do this book. And so we just didn't do that book. Fair enough. Our high school's English team was not the strongest. Oh man, shots fired if our old English teachers decide to subscribe to this podcast. We do post this on Facebook. Oh, <laughs> fine, scratch that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't tell any of them to like, listening to this podcast isn't, they don't have any summer homework. So I guess listening to this podcast isn't homework for them. Well, so here's the conundrum. Anyone who's listening to this podcast is Tom's students. Right, right. So they are they're all listening. All of the listeners are Tom's students and all. But it wasn't assigned is what I'm saying. They're doing this out of the goodness of their heart because they love their teachers so much. Sir, where are we going with this? I was just wondering if your students were listening to this because maybe we should. They tie are this because our only our, our listeners are Tom's students. Because maybe we should tie this into math somehow. So it's recursive. For the first time in this entire podcast, maybe there's something math related, something oval related. Perhaps. I think uh, Zach would prefer having uh, a way to discern between podcast students and physical students. No, Zach's just trying to transition. He's much better at it than us. And we also actively try to sabotage him. Actively try to sabotage him. What, what, <laughs> what important oval is there to talk about? I don't know. Tom, did you just upload a video to YouTube recently <laughs> about a really important oval? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Oh, man. I'm trying to think of other important ovals to derail us with, but are there any? There are tons of important ovals. What's another important oval? The orbit of any planet around the sun. Yeah. Okay. So, Tom, how is your Neptune planetary orbit video doing on YouTube? That one, not so well. But the Colosseum one, I know, is doing very well. Um, I mean, it'd be nice to get a few more views. It's a little low right now, at least next to the Notre Dame video, but 
Ah, it'll catch on to the algorithm one of these days. Yeah, what's up with that? I don't know. I don't know why it's so low. I, I was expected to be at least a couple thousand. No, I don't care why that one's so low. Why is the other one so high? Why is the, the Notre Dame one so high? Yeah, it's the first video on a channel. How did that one strike gold? I, I really don't know. I, I don't know if 20,000 is striking gold. I think 20,000 is like striking bronze. No one wants to hear about sausage making on this podcast. People want to hear about ovals. What's the major and minor axis of the Colosseum? Making the sausage of ovals. So I thought we would take another deviation today from cathedrals into, once again, the world of ancient Rome. Uh, just because, one, I love ancient Rome. But two, uh, we, we talked about the Pantheon uh, as one of my other early Minecraft builds. But my other one, which is pretty significant, I happened to put out a video on recently, the Colosseum. Another favorite of mine, and again, many principles of architecture used both in the Colosseum and the cathedrals will continue to be looking at in the future. No one wants to hear about principles of architecture. People want to hear about major and minor axes on <laughs> ovals. Tom's students. I was expecting something more on the lines of blood sport, but okay, major and minor axes. Oh, well, there's plenty of blood sport too, but like, ugh, foci, curves. <laughs> <laughs> this is a thing that gets real men's blood boiling. And real women. And real women, yes. Thank you. So, Zach, do you think you know what the curve of the Colosseum is? Elegant. That is true. It is elegant. Do you know how to create the curve for the Colosseum? Uh, no, but I remember you explaining to me in painstaking detail several years ago, and I proceeded to remember none of it. In Minecraft or, like, in real life? Well, both. Well, in real life, I I gather up a whole bunch of stone that I have laying around. Right. Indiana limestone. And then I talk to it very sternly. And I'm like, you stone, I want you to get into a good circle. <laughs> An oval, in fact. A bad circle. A, a bad circle. No, ovals are the best circles. Wait, are oval circles? No. No. Okay. <laughs> That's why they're the best ones. To heck with circles. That's why I thought. We're only oval people here. Mm -hmm. Oval team. We're not getting sponsored by them. Do they still exist? I associate them with the 50s. I'm sure they still exist. We're not getting sponsored by them, so I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever had an oval team before. It's very leave it to beaver to me. Yeah, it does. So the, the thing about the Colosseum is that no one knows for certain exactly how the Romans did it. Not that we don't have the ability to do it today, but just in terms of we're not 100% sold on which method they use to create the curve of the Colosseum. Aliens. It seems as though by acclamation, people agree it's probably not- Crop circles. Precisely an ellipse. We think that the Colosseum is probably more of an ovoid rather than an ellipse, but it is extremely close to an ellipse too. Is an ellipse an oval? Are those synonymous? No. So um, ellipses are a little more mathematically rigorous. That's the double foci thing, right? Yes. Two foci, if you take two points in space and have a looped piece of string and wrap it around the two foci, if you drag the string taut around in a curve, you will get an oval looking like thing, which is actually an ellipse. And that's what um, that's what the ancient Romans did. That's what orbits actually are planets, correct? Yes. Which I could have learned if I watched your non-existent Neptune orbit video. Yes, right. Um, that that one. Got it. This is what people come here for. Talk about ellipses and ovals. Whereas an oval has one focal point. Well, so just ovals are, I think, in general, not as well defined. They're just bad circles. 
Um, anything that's a bad circle is an oval. I, I think that's by acclamation. You could say, yeah, anything. Yeah, acclamation. A- Did we go out into a crowd and ask everyone? Nice. I mean, honestly, hear ye, think- hear ye. Let's all agree that ovals are bad circles. I mean, ovals are bad circles. That's Ugh. basically what they are. Ugh. I'm so wounded. How so? Were you not part of the crowd? No, this, I thought we were celebrating ovals here uh, in this episode. And now there's just not by, not by part of the crowd. I'm just going to take my ovals elsewhere. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, th- I think what I said there didn't quite do it justice. Like bad circles are ovals, but also you can have a more well-defined method to create an oval that is not an ellipse, but still ellipse-like slash circle-like. And that's kind of what the Colosseum has done here. There's different competing theories out there as to what was used to create the curve for the Colosseum. And I just happened to latch onto one that I liked. Uh, that was done, I think, well, I think it was like 50 years ago or something. Picking and choosing, just like how you read the Bible. Oh, hey, well, you got to pick one, right? I mean, Zach. <laughs> Zach, Zach, out on the podcast. That was, that was an impressive dig right in the middle there. <laughs> And, and Tom just like completely went over it like it was nothing. <laughs> it is, I, I'm just imagining like a pothole in the road that's like the size of like a Hummer. Is it an oval? And Tom just went over it without any bump whatsoever. <laughs> is it an oval? Yeah, it's an oval. Because they're the best shapes. Oval pothole. All conic sections. I love all the conic sections equally. You know. Wait, David, is the baby in the room with you? No. Okay. Oh, right. I forgot last time the baby was here. I thought you were being louder this time than last time, and I see why now. Okay. We gave up on baby being down here, and baby needs darkness now to go to sleep. Okay, perfect. So that means we can be loud. Excellent. Well, I've got headphones on, so it's pretty irrelevant what you do. You can see them. I'll note that for future reference. I hope you noted this in the past, too. (sighs) Tom is also (laughs) suffering from sleep deprivation. Both of you are. I'm the only one on this podcast who's had any sleep, which is the reason why I'm the only one on this podcast who likes ovals. Uh, also, yeah, maybe I should quickly do a side tangent that audience, uh, you might have Compared to what, the- what, what, what is a side tangent to a tangent? <laughs> I think that means, I think we've done 180 degrees back 180 degrees. So he wants to do a secant, not a tangent. Uh, there you go. Audience, I was just going to say that... Um, we might have noticed there have been a few extra weeks between our uploads. and They haven't. They haven't noticed. No. Fine. Well, you can blame the babies for it, but um, <laughs> we will, you know. Tom is the best politician. Blame the babies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that reminds me, Tom, and you haven't gotten to this yet. I know you're reading uh, Randall Monroe's how-to book, but yeah. the best part of that book near the end is he um, tries to figure out what would make someone the most likely to be elected. Right. And so he takes the most popular stances of all time. He says, now, these are probably not very specific enough for you to actually get elected with. However, if you want to be the most unelectable person of all time, just say the opposite of all of these things. <laughs> and that is what you just did. Tom is supreme chancellor of this podcast. He doesn't, he doesn't need to be elected. He was ordained by affirmation. By affirmation. I think it's acclamation. Oh, damn it. You're right. By acclamation. Is affirmation a thing? What's affirmation? It, is that it, That just means everyone was friendly. Yeah. Oh. Acclamation is by general agreement. Or when you get accustomed to a climate. Yeah, I was going to say acclimatize. Isn't that the same word? Acclamation, acclimatize. Like the context that I've heard the word acclamation before is like 
by acclamation, people generally agree that Michael Jordan is the best basketball player of all time. I don't think there's acclamation for that, but okay, sure. I'm not. That doesn't necessarily mean everybody agrees, but it, I think it just means that by a very unscientific consensus. By acclamation of the people on this podcast, we will decide that that, that is the definition of acclamation. Okay, that works. I want to hear more about ovals. We were talking about ovals, and you guys were all like, poo-poo ovals, they're so bad. Bad circles. Circles are the real shape. They have such a well-defined function. It didn't say it wasn't a real shape. It just said it was a bad shape. Well, I love them. And I love the Coliseum, and I love Tom's video about the Coliseum, and I want to hear more about why Tom was inspired to build the Coliseum in Minecraft. So I, I, I picked what I thought from some of my reading was like the leading theory, like generally more people agreed on this theory than others. But again, I didn't have any like, you know, voting to like back this up. But there was this theory by, I think, a, a historian or a scientist named Kozo who hypothesized that the Coliseum was a polycentric curve. That's a curve that is basically multiple circles of different sizes, all centered at different spots along the sort of arena section of the Coliseum, but that the different circles happen to line up with each other just right so that you get a smooth transition from one circle to the next. Isn't that what you do in Fourier transforms? Did I do Fourier transforms? I don't think I ever finished my... Yeah, I remember now. It was, I never finished that math class that was called Applied Mathematics or Abstract Physics. That's all. That's really what? There was a, there was a class in school that had two names, depending if you were a physics major or a math major. And if you were a physics major, it was called Abstract Physics. But if you were a mathematician, it was called Applied Mathematics. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was, it, it was a good name. They knew what they were doing, right? No, oh, they totally knew what they were doing. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure who was digging more at the other, but I think they're equally digging at each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty equal. So Tom's students, I want you to go watch three blue, one browns video on Fourier transforms and come back to Tom and then ask him all the questions <laughs> that you had about that video next time you're in class with him. And Tom will be able to answer eloquently and beautifully three blue one brown does have some very pretty um illustrations for mathematics it's a solid solid channel polycentric polycentric circles is that what you said yeah polycentric circle or polycentric curve polycentric, polycentric curve. curve it's not an x not the whole thing is made up of circles but obviously sure. it's not a, a complete circle i will say that as a non-mathematician who barely understands what either of you is talking about that feels like a very complicated way to just say they eyeballed it is that one of the theories? I, I, I doubt that they just eyeballed it considering the precision of a lot of their other buildings. Like we looked at the Pantheon in the past, which they definitely did not eyeball. Um, I, I think that there's the, there's the other issue that, you know, this building is 1,900 years old and the ground doesn't just stay in one place over 2,000 years. The ground moves little bits here and there. So who's to say exactly what the position of everything was? Uh, 2,000 years ago. We have a fourth podcaster at the moment. <laughs> it's the first time Toby's trying to move my mic and by scratching on it. Oh, hi, buddy. Toby, this is not a good time. It's the best time. We, we were just getting on topic. Uh, in, terms of the, in terms of the competing theories, I know we're primarily talking about the Roman Colosseum here. Let me clarify. The Colosseum in Rome. Yeah. Has anyone applied those? Because there are a lot of Colosseums. Yeah. Has anyone applied those oval theories to the other Colosseums to see if they hold true 
for multiple of them? No, that's an excellent question, David. I actually do not know. Um, I know that I was recently looking that there's a Colosseum of sorts in France. I forget the name. It's uh, None of them were as big as the Flavian Amphitheater from Rome. I'll have to see if I can find some data on that. Obviously, when you type in Colosseum on a Google search, it's going to be much easier to find stuff for Rome right. than anything else. Right. Uh, it's pretty niche to find any evidence for research that's been done <laughs> at other places. But uh, yeah, if we find something, I'll let you know. There are still some of those standing too, though. Yeah, I, the one in France actually looked like it was more preserved than the one in Rome, Rome. Hmm. Anyway, uh, but of course, I, I should mention some some basic facts or else the ancient Rome buffs who happen to be listening to our podcast right now will probably get feisty with me. I really want to make, oh, can we make a polycentric curve of our listeners? Do all the little circles of our ridiculous Venn diagram and make a polycentric curve out of that? You go right for it, David. You you go ahead and all get right. started and show us what it. All right. If you don't hear from me in the next 30 minutes, that's what I'm doing. This is drawing an MS paint. Paint. Wonderful. So, the Colosseum was originally called the Flavian Amphitheater, named after the immediate family of emperors who were all basically in charge during the time of its construction. The previous emperor just before its construction was Nero, and Nero, as I think most people are aware, was not a, a well-loved emperor. The classic trope of he fiddled while Rome burned, while there might be some disputes to that historical account, he was a very much hated emperor who was very selfish. And he built a gigantic palace that he called the Domus Aurea. And after Nero died, there was a brief sort of civil war turmoil point where there were like four emperors competing for power. But the one who emerged on top victorious was the emperor Vespasian. And Vespasian was a, a wise dude. He was very much a populist and wanted to win the hearts and minds of the people. So he knocked down Nero's Domus Aurea. Nero's palace had a large man-made body of water in the center of it, and uh, Vespasian knocked down the palace and he filled in the pond, and in its place they built the Colosseum. There was this sort of idea that he was giving the land back to the people of ancient Rome. He had a long, successful reign because of that. The Colosseum was constructed over about nine years. It was constructed between the years 72 AD and 80 AD. Most of that was under Vespasian, but then his uh, son Titus finished it up. And then also uh, the emperor Domitian, shortly after Titus, made some final modifications, basically leading to the complete structure that we know, at least before it was ruined, like modern day. I'm looking forward to David's polycentric curve. It looks very nice. The Colosseum is built out of travertine limestone. Travertine? Yeah, it's a specific like type of limestone. I think it's a high quality limestone that a lot of ancient Roman buildings were made out of. And then um, it's also uh, well known for, I think we've talked before about its concrete. The Colosseum had very high quality concrete throughout it as well that has helped it stand the test of time. And most people are, I think, aware of, you know, that the Colosseum was used largely for gladiatorial combat, but it was also used for animal hunts and executions and battle reenactments. There were, I think some people have mentioned that the Colosseum did have a few of uh, mock naval battles in it too, but this is only early in its life. 
By the time Emperor Domitian came to power, he built that sort of subterranean floor under the arena where all the gladiators had their, you know, cages and pits and elevators to raise them to the floor. And there was no way to flood the Colosseum to have mock naval battles after that. So once they sort of built that that space under the arena called the Hypogeum, they weren't able to flood it anymore. But it did for a brief point in time early in its life under, I think, around... Titus and Vespasian, it could have some of those flooded naval battles. This is the kind of entertainment you cannot find today, I have to say. I don't know. I see a lot of naval battles in TV. Have you guys watched uh, Our Flag Means Death? Oh, I'm about halfway through it. What is this? I don't know this. I, I don't know if it's a Tom show, but it's definitely a me show. It's, <laughs> it's not a Tom show. Yeah. It has naval battles? Mm, it's pirates. It has pirates. What was it called again? Our Flag Means Death. Oh, Black Spot? Black Spot? There's Blackbeard in it. Black Spot's a Treasure Island reference. Oh. That went nowhere. Try again. So anyway, um, I, I built the Colosseum with this polycentric uh, methodology, and I actually have shared with David and Zach the old 2012 plans that I put together to build this thing. Uh, that's a lot of numbers. Yeah. Tom likes his spreadsheets. I'm sure you did all this by hand. Zach, why don't you go ahead and describe what you see when you open my polycentric calculations? Uh, I see someone horribly abusing Excel in the way that he loves to horribly <laughs> abuse Excel. <laughs> you know, at one point... What about horribly abusing? Yeah, I mean, I know there are numbers in here, and so this isn't as bad as what most people use Excel for, which is just like properly formatting a document, which they can't seem to figure out how to do in like Word. And so they use Excel to make sure that like all the words go in the right place. Yours actually has numbers in it. So you are like leagues and leagues and leagues yeah. above uh, everyone else. But the original creators of Excel would still cry when they see what their program's being used for. Well, I, th I think that I would, I'm even leagues above the people who use Excel for numbers. It's not numbers in the cells, it's equations in the cells. Yeah, that's true. And that's, that's, that's a step up of just typing in data. Do you want ellipse calculations, polycentric calculations, polycentric curves, level one, level two, level three, level four side cutaway? composite or floor plan comparison. Why don't we start with the composite just because that's the easiest place to see the calculations that I wanted to talk about and how the curve is made. Holy balls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well this is a this is a madman's fever dream. There's a lot of pink, there's a lot of blue. I'm not sure if this looks better zoomed in or zoomed out. They're both terrifying in different ways. Yeah, let me zoom out. I'm I'm curious what zoom out looks like here. Oh, oh, there's also green. I missed the green. What is going on here? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. So. Did you zoom out farther? Uh, yeah. Now I actually see like uh, cross-sectional cutaways of the Coliseum. And I see the whole thing. There we go. With the, the major and minor axes, which I still didn't get an answer about. Is the ratio of the major and minor axes the golden ratio? Who knows? Tom will never answer me about. <laughs> well, to be fair, you never actually asked the question because we wouldn't let you. That's your fault, clearly. I don't really know a good way to describe this other than there are a lot of colors. There are a lot of curves. Uh, and it looks like you were doing some sort of calculation in blue to see whether or not a point would be on a curve or not right and then you have a section of red where is this point on a different curve that presumably that curve corresponds to 
a circle or an ellipse with a different center than the blue shaded ones. Yeah. And then again, you do the same thing with green coloring to say, is this cell on this curve for a third ellipse or circle with an even different center than the red and the blue? And compositing all three of those blue, red, and green curves together you have what looks like one quadrant of what could be described as the Coliseum floor plan. And I'm guessing you just flip, drop, reverse it? Yes. Um, I, I will fully admit that I did not build this all together. I definitely used the powers of uh, World Edit to flip and copy and rotate. So um, that that is definitely something that happened. Of course, I made then adjustments to each of the quadrants to, you know, make them a little more unique here and there. But this was built in creative mode, and uh, I chose to use that to speed up the process. So I... I I think just for the sake of our audience, since, you know, obviously it's hard to describe. This is the least audio friendly thing we have ever discussed on this podcast. That's probably true. So l let me give some insight as to really the main idea of what I want to get across. It looks complicated when you look at it, these calculations that I have drawn on the spreadsheet. But what's really just going on? Again, it's just simply slices of circles. Imagine that you had three different pizzas. One pizza was a small, another pizza was a medium, and another pizza was a large. And then let's say you took different slices of those circular pizzas, and then you just laid side by side the slices of those different pizzas so that the edges of the crust all lined up. Uh, if you then took the edges of all those crusts, it's not going to be a circle anymore because, again, it was different circles with different radii. Um, you do have a smooth curve that's continuous that transitions from one to the next to the next. And that is vaguely what's going on in the spreadsheet right here. I much prefer the pizza. You just want pizza. David looks like he's frozen. He's so intently staring at something. What are you staring at, David? I'm trying to make my polycentric circle. It will be revealed. If this is Mickey Mouse, we're going to get sued. This, you know this is so... Yeah, okay, going on. All right. Um, I, I did want to take this opportunity to briefly talk about, you know, how do you, at least what's my technique for creating equations that'll then be used as blocks in Minecraft? And um, I know a lot of people use, you know, like World Edit to just pre-generate circles and even domes and spheres and hemispheres. Uh, and that's cool. You could definitely just use, you know, programs to automatically generate those. But I find it a lot more rewarding, of course, as a math teacher. Uh, to do the calculations yourself and figure out, you know, how should you place blocks to create these surfaces? And of course, when you take calculus, you learn that you can take three-dimensional objects like spheres and things and break them down into slices of like stacked circles, one on top of another. Of course, the Colosseum isn't a dome. It's a different kind of shape. But I, I wanted to talk about, you know, how do you place, you know, the ideal blocks for the best fit curve? Have you ever checked if your equations and calculations result in the same dome that the automatic generation ones of like world edit and such make yeah I, i've looked before but i can actually make better domes than world edit can because world edit at least as far as i know I'm, I'm not the biggest world edit guru ever but i'm pretty sure world edit is limited to when you say oh generate a dome out of blocks it only uses whole blocks it won't ever use half blocks and you can get twice as much detail using half blocks and doing calculations for half blocks 
and get a much nicer looking curvature that way. But I think we'll talk about how to build a dome in the future. That's going to come up in a future episode. I wanted to mention that you can create the equation of a circle, you know, based on either the Pythagorean theorem or, you know, the equation for a circle is x squared plus y squared equals r squared. So it's pretty easy to create the true equation for any circle with different radii. And then you can transition it up, down, left and right in the equation parameters. But once you have different sized circles on like a Cartesian plane all lined up, how do you turn that into Minecraft blocks. And that's what this spreadsheet does. It's treating each cell as just an X and Y coordinate. And it's gonna treat each Minecraft block as if it was a point particle rather than the actual block it is. Um, and you know, I think that's the simplest way to sort of think about the different blocks. If you think about, oh, this block is at zero, zero, and this block is at one comma two, and this block is at eight comma 12, you know, if you just think about the blocks in that way, you can then use the spreadsheet to do calculations for what blocks would be closest to the desired radii you want. And so each cell has the equation for the circle copied into it so that if you then say, well, how, how close is this block to the actual distance I want it to be as a radii from the circle center, that's what then all these different staggered lines are. And I, I think, you know, in more depth, I will probably do some kind of tutorial on YouTube in the future now that we have our own YouTube channel. So if you were into that sort of thing and you would like to learn how to do these kind of calculations with the spreadsheet, I will throw that up hopefully in the not so distant future. The calculations are uh, staggering. I mean, it's one of those things where you think that this is really complicated. But again, there's a difference between complexity and just volume. This is a lot of calculations of a rather simple equation. Each cell is just a circle equation over and over and over and over again. And the way I control what layer I'm on is I just say, well, what do I want my radius to be? So I have a particular cell where I select the radius I want. And then all the cells basically calculate their closest distance to that radii. And I highlight the blocks that I want that have the closest distance possible to the true values I want. And then I can get some pretty good approximations for curves that way. Again, I will put it in tutorial in the future. And if this ever makes it into video form one day, I'll probably include it with some nice visuals too. How much of this did you have to figure out in like referencing old textbooks and things versus like this just all made intuitive sense to you and you could just put it together on its own. Yeah, so just like with Notre Dame and just like with um, a lot of the Minecraft builds that I've worked on, I tried to pull up as many ground plans and elevations and uh, cross cut sections just to get where like the, the different, you know, columns should be, where the different piers should be, the dimensions of the different curves. And I, I will say that my, my model is still not perfect. Um, since I did this in 2012, I was actually looking at some of the dimensions I finally ended up with, and I was having some trouble remembering, why did I make this decision, or why did I make that decision? While I continued to update the build in recent years, which I you know, only posted it this past year online for the public to look at, um, I originally started it in 2012, a long time ago, and that's when the, the massive equations were originally done, and I just it was mostly about texturing and stuff in more recent years. Looking at, you know, some of the decisions I made, it turns out that the arena, for example, is a little too thin and a little too small. And I honestly don't remember why I did that. If I if I had to surmise a guess, I think it was because I was trying to get the stands and the staircases to line up just right. And the only way I could 
do it within the limitations of Minecraft blocks was to be like, well, if we just squeeze that arena a little bit smaller, then this jigsaw puzzle is gonna fit together a little better. So you're always making compromises like that in Minecraft. And I should mention that once again, this is meant to be a one-to-one -one scale build so that when I place it in my map with my one-to-one -one Notre Dame and Pantheon, that when the, you see them close by each other, you get a sense of how big these different things are side by side. I, this goes back to my intro, like what about the Colosseum inspires you to make a replica of it in Minecraft? Yeah, because it doesn't have the same religious, well, no, it's not, you don't care about cathedrals for the, necessarily for the religious, for, it doesn't have the same. Um, it's a bad circle. Yeah, it's a bad circle. Like in some ways it, it does, since it's so repetitive all the way around, particularly if you're building a non lightly ruined version that there is today, since it is so repetitive, it doesn't it, it, it doesn't have the same intricacies as a cathedral does in terms of, of the architecture. Though in hearing you describe this, I, I, I feel like I might be able to answer my own question and that I think it's the math challenge of it is what is interesting to you. Yeah, the math challenge was a big part of it. The other part of it is I actually think it looks really cool. I've always loved the look of the Coliseum. I love the three-tiered levels of arches on the outside. I think it's got a really cool facade to it, unlike a cathedral facade where it's just like the front or the the, the west or the east or the north or the south. Um, the Coliseum's facade is just wrapped all around it. Um, but also, I think I think a lot of people find the mystery and, well, what did the thing look like before it was a ruin to be enticing? Uh, because, you know, we can't actually see what the Colosseum looked like today, what it actually looked like when it was first built. It's so old and it's so ruined now. And it's cool to see, you know, like the ruins, you can kind of get a sense of how it all fit together. But, you know, what color was it painted this way, that way? It leaves a lot to the imagination. And I admit, I did pull um, a good bit of source material from, you know, the fantastic stuff like the Gladiator movie to be like, well, let's use what the Gladiator interpretation was for what these portals look like uh, to the arena. Even if it's not entirely probably what it looked like, you know, I think there's it's fine to be a little fanciful and to flare it out when, you know, it's open to interpretation. That was the, the you just referenced the next thing I was going to say. Uh, did you have as much love for this building before Gladiator came out or before you saw it, I should say, at least? That's a good question. I mean, Gladiator came out in 2000 and that was a long time ago. So I, I, I think I probably like it more because of the movie, but I also took um, four years of Latin in high school and we had a great Latin teacher. So I think probably I owe just as much to her as to anything else for why I would be quite interested in the Colosseum and the Pantheon, which we talked about. I'm also forgetting the most obvious of all of it. It's a bad circle. Your whole origin story, which I don't remember if we've gone over on the podcast or not, is circles. You're all about circles, good or bad. It's true. But David, what is also my favorite uh, USS Enterprise? He likes the D. <laughs> What's true about the Enterprise D, David? It's a circle. No. It's a bad circle. Oh my God. Tell me you know this. Bad circle. The Enterprise D is in fact an ellipse. In fact, the curvature of the Enterprise D saucer section is quite reminiscent of the curvature of the Coliseum. So yes, the Enterprise D is an ellipse. It's a bad circle. Is the saucer section of the Enterprise D the same curve as the 
the deflector dish? No, far more oval, right? Well, it depends on which one you're looking at. Are you looking at the six foot model or the four foot model? Zach, you did this. The six foot model is genuinely elliptical, although it is even more elliptical than the Enterprise D saucer section. But the four foot model uses a very strange, I think almost ovoid deflector dish. And that is not my cup of tea, but I think I've talked about this before, so I'll stop. Out of all of them, the the deflector dishes on all the different models and the saucer section of the Enterprise D, which curve most closely aligns with the Colosseum? The saucer section. The saucer section? Yeah, the saucer section is, I mean, it's not exactly one-to-one, but it's surprisingly close. So what you're saying, Tom, is that the Enterprise is modeled after a place where people went to watch people murder each other. I think that's a little a little um, reaching, but if, if you want to go there, I need to keep this episode moving, so I'll just say sure. <laughs> I don't, guys, I don't, I don't have room for more circles. I can't add understands Star Trek minutia. I, <laughs> I don't. Are you trying? I'm already trying to flow diagram our conversation. Is that what's happening? Oh, flow diagram would have been a much better idea than this <laughs> monstrosity. Like we currently have a polycentric circle with the with a tumor on it that says likes math. David, your your drawing is going up on the show notes, so we need somewhere to host this. I'm aware, which is why I did not include certain things that I was originally going to include. Like Tom likes the D. That's not in there. <laughs> Mostly, I was going to put in a whole uh finds wikipedia helpful and then call up mom and dad again i'm like ah it's not no they already know that they're on blast so murdering people good in ancient rome bad in the 24th century it happens quite a bit in, in uh, star trek time a lot of murder a lot of murder a surprising amount of murder for utopia all right adding a star trek circle let me ask you this i think this is an important fact about the coliseum when did the coliseum for the most part become the ruin it is today. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, You know, uh, because it was obviously a big, glorious structure. It is definitely not now. Do you have any guesses as to, like, where between the year 72 and 2022, like right now? When do you think that event would have taken place? I want to briefly pause on that it took you longer to remember the current year than it took you to remember the year the Coliseum was built. But moving past that, knowing absolutely nothing about it actually collapsing, uh, I would guess it's like a period around the sacking of Rome sort of thing. So 600-ish. There was a chart that we pulled up for the Pantheon that had the population of Rome over time. Oh, yeah. And there was a giant dip in it. Oh, yeah. But Tom, forgive me if I have completely forgotten that both the X and Y axis uh, entirely. The fact that you remember that chart is a step above me. I'm actually really pleased that you brought that up uh, when we looked at the population of ancient Rome and how it was so high and then it dipped to like a hundred thousand after being a couple million large, uh, which was just a drastic, drastic change. That's a good guess. Uh, thinking, Oh, did the Colosseum, you know, become a ruin after Rome itself fell? Actually turns out, no, uh, it was actually pretty much the structure it was for 
a good thousand years. Hmm. It wasn't until an earthquake in 1349 that the south outer wall collapsed. And that was because that it wasn't so much that the structure itself was bad, but it's just that the foundation that it was sitting on, the southern half of the Colosseum was resting on a less stable terrain than the northern half was. And so when the earthquake struck, uh, that whole outer wall collapsed. And then especially around that time and then for the next 400 years the whole sort of collapsed section became a quarry and much of the many of the buildings in Rome used a lot of the finer stone and marble and hmm. uh, blocks to build churches and other you know buildings that you'll see throughout Rome today so it was very recycled that's cool um, and it wasn't until 1749 400 years after that earthquake that Pope Benedict the 14th uh, decided to consecrate the whole space of the Colosseum uh, in honor of the Christian martyrs who were put to death in the arena. And he uh, basically prevented the Colosseum from being ransacked for uh, the stealing of its stone any further past that point. Are you saying they were stealing more than just the quarry collapse they were stealing other stuff well primarily i'm referring to the stone at this point that they can like they continued to just steadily take bits of stone here and there to build Mm. stuff over those several hundred years gotcha um but you know once it became consecrated uh they then decided to start to sort of preserve it as it was Uh, on this i i don't remember your opinion on this Mm -hmm. but i will contend that the Colosseum looks way better in its current state yeah. than it did when it was in perfect condition. You were there? I've seen Tom's Minecraft video. Good enough as being there. It's that authentic. It's that authentic. Go to YouTube right now. Check out Tom's video on the Colosseum. <laughs> That's right. Uh, You'll agree that the real thing looks better. I just think I, I just think some having variation in, in what's going on is just visually more appealing to look at yeah which is funny because i'm someone who's incredibly symmetrical in like how i think about things oh i i agree i don't know you have a part on one side of your hair your hair is not symmetric it's a good point yeah well i agree with you though david because um i on my coliseum video when i was first beginning to plan the shoot i was having real trouble for the exact reason you were saying how do i shoot a video of a thing that pretty much looks the same from any direction you look at it Right, which is why you got us all to hop on Minecraft and start murdering each other. Right, I, I, I was like, well, I can have a gladiatorial scene and have my friends murder each other in the arena. That was fun. Uh, yeah, it was fun. But I also was like, well, I need more visual cues to just break it up so you have more interesting things to look at from one shot to the next. And that's when I had the idea. I was like, I really should also make the ruined version of it as well so we can transition from the ruined version to the, um, you know, pristine ancient Roman version. And since, like you said, the ruined version is not symmetrical and has lots more nuance to it throughout it. That took me a couple more months to really knock down the the pristine one to get that ruined version. But it was a great result. I really like how it ended up, and it made a good video. Now I uh, now I have to admit and go back. Like I forgot you'd actually made the ruined version. Oh, no. I've seen the video. I swear I've seen the video. Just It's been a few weeks. Oh, David. How could you forget? Because I was thinking about you the- You literally were like, oh, that was a good transition. You've already forgotten. No, oh. I didn't compliment you on that. I was the one that made the comment on the video that the transition was nice. No, you did too. David did too, though. He no, did it in I person c- when I oh. showed him in person. Oh, okay. 
I have a baby. Yeah, but mine means more because it's on the it's on the video. That's true. Zach has left me a YouTube comment. The first one, I think it was. Maybe it was the second. It was one of the first comments. David is so enraptured with his circles. I'm in, I'm no, I'm enraptured with Zach's comment on YouTube. Here, I'll give it a I'll give it a like. There you go. Your comment has two likes now. I'm uh, assuming the other like is Tom. Wait, are you giving a like to the video or to Zach's comment? To my comment. To Zach's comment. No, I, I, <laughs> wait, I haven't. Wait. I haven't liked the video. The comment is the real star here. You're not gonna like the video. <sighs> no, I've watched the video twice. That's that's better than one like. No, likes and subscribes you, are the thing that drive the algorithm. I subscribed. Fine, I will like the video. There Thank you. Go. you. And and Thank hit you. that bell for notification. Yeah, hit that bell. Slam it. Uh. I clicked personalized. I'll get personalized notifications. I did want to also quickly bring this back to our, of course, topic in this podcast, Cathedral Talk. And, you know, how are the links of this ancient Roman structure to the cathedrals that we're looking at, like Notre Dame and Gothic architecture? Many of the arches all along the exterior, they all lead to passageways that lead to all the various stands at the different elevations throughout the structure. It's very complex. And I did as faithful as a job as I could to build all of the different... <laughs> Zach is showing me a uh, automatic notification that on his phone that somebody just liked his comment on the YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it doesn't even say my name. It doesn't even say David's name. So someone, says, someone liked your comment. Someone thumbs up your comment on TH Scott's <laughs> Minecraft video for <laughs> see him. Oh, oh. Great. So a lot of the calculations that you used to build the Colosseum, you then again used in the planning of the chevet, the arches, the webbing. Well, the same technique, same technique. The same technique, yeah. Yeah. Well, and also I, I was going to say that in the real buildings, like uh, one of the big innovations of Roman arches in this sort of time period when the Colosseum was built and other like basilicas and things was they invented something called the groined vault. And the groined vault is when you have two different uh, orthogonal or two different perpendicular arches that are crossing each other. And they sort of cross like uh, where the edges are like at an X, very similar to the ribbed vaulting of a cathedral like at Notre Dame. And so that sort of style of how do you build these sort of columns and piers that hold up a vaulted roof above it, uh, this is something that does evolve in the technology and eventually reaches its way to Gothic architecture. Uh, so um, again, I, I really enjoy tracing similar shapes, things that are built in buildings like this and seeing how they eventually make their way into places like Notre Dame. So the Gothic arches, famously we've talked about several times, have pointed arches. Yeah. How would you describe the arches in the Colosseum are they not the not the groined ones, but like mm. are they parabolic? Are they yeah. circular? Or yeah, so the arches themselves at the Colosseum are pretty much semicircular. They hadn't yet really created the Gothic pointed arch at this point, right? For another thousand years, right, right. Yeah, this is still this is still a thousand years before Notre Dame, exactly. But they still were using the idea of how can we have multiple arches connected, sometimes orthogonal, sometimes perpendicular. And then how are those shapes going to interlock, you know, in the roof over these piers? And you can see a lot of similarities between those shapes and the shapes that you'll find in the Gothic cathedrals. So I, those are all techniques that we will also see in like Roman basilicas and stuff when we look at some of the other famous basilicas that sort of work their way up to cathedral architecture as well. 
but the Coliseum is one of my favorites, so it's a good uh, place to start here. One last fun fact. Have you guys ever heard in ancient Rome something called the Vomitorium or the Vomitorium? Oh, uh, yes, that I'm almost positive this is incorrect, but people like to say that it's the it's like near the entryway or like a room off of the eating room or something where, quote unquote, because it has the word vomit in it, people like to assume that it's where you would after your meal, you'd go in there and vomit up everything you just ate. But that's I forget if it's just that the etymology of the word is different or something, but uh, that's not what it actually. Yeah, your your suspicion is correct. And from what I've read, while the v- vomitorium or the Romans called it the vomitorium, I don't think they actually had the V's. Um, the the vomitoriums actually is referring to the entrances and exits of places like at the Colosseum. It's places where all the people would spew forth uh, into the arena and out of the building. Oh, so it is a vomit reference? I I don't know if that... Here's the thing. I don't know if vomiting is a reference to the spewing of the people or if the spewing of the people is referring to the vomiting. I'm not sure what came first. It might be a chicken and the egg kind of thing. All I know is that Shakespeare invented the word barf. There we go. So do you want to see my circles? Yes. Yeah, okay. Go for it. All right. So this is a work in progress. And obviously our fans are too complicated to put into one circle, a simple chart. But damn, I'm willing to try. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. Share screen. Do you have uh, Cardinal fans? Call back to one of our earlier episodes. I don't have Cardinal fans. Oh, man. Like I said, work, work in progress. Work in progress. There's more to do. There's more to do. This is what we got so far. Oh my god! This was take two because this first one was was hard, too hard to read. And the problem with MS Paint is you can't undo anything that you've already done. So we're stuck with this. <laughs> okay. Uh. So. 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 Uh. We've got a giant polycentric circle. Uh. In black. Ignore the red and, and blue for a second. Okay. Um. And that's it's the shape of the Colosseum. It's it's one to one. I checked. It's exactly the same. Yep. The dimensions are perfect. Um, and it's made up of four main circles. Mm-hmm. You've got Minecrafter, you've got Cathedral Lover, you've got relatives of Tom, Zach, and David, mm-hmm. and you've got Tom's students. Now, I recognize that everyone is Tom's students, and so this is somewhat misleading, but we're just going with it. Okay. So some of the cross sections, obviously Tom's in the middle, right? Like, we, we, we all understand this, this podcast is... Every niche that Tom likes and that we're forced to listen to uh, hear him talk about. I mean, we're here voluntarily. Um, Maybe you're not. David, blink twice if you're being held against his will. On pain of brotherhood. Pain of brotherhood. (laughs) Um, So then, so in the inner betweens of this Venn diagram polycentric circle, between Minecrafter and relatives of Tom, David, and Zach, that's where we have Zach. And then between... Relatives of Tom, David, Zach, Minecrafter, and Cathedral Lover. That's where I put me. I didn't put either of us under Tom's students. Between Tom's students and Cathedral Lover, we have only the smartest students. I thought Tom would, would approve of that. Then between Minecrafter and Cathedral Lover, that's where we have the actual Romans. The likes math breaks the circle. Now we're talking beyond because our podcast just can't be contained within one polycentric circle. Oh, hold up. Hold up. You... You said earlier in this very episode that our description of the spreadsheet was probably the most 
audio unfriendly thing that we have ever done uh-huh. were you designing this i was planning i was to beat that planning to top it <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely okay just all right continue continue, continue. Uh, but this yes. is worth this is worth checking out everyone 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 go into the show notes yeah you won't be disappointed you I'm like let me guess this is so important you want me to link it above my actual coliseum video in the show notes you know, I wasn't I wasn't going to be the one to suggest it, but now that you said it, <laughs> well, we've got the title of the episode right at the top of this MS Paint, the Polycentric Circle of Cathedral Talks listeners. That's the title of the episode. That's true. That's true. It's a long title, but it works. Yeah. I mean, what else is it going to be? Like acclamation or some some pun on acclamation? <laughs> Boo. That's true. That would Boo. be <laughs> cleverness. <laughs> No. Tom, whenever we do get to you catch up and we, the YouTube version of this episode is released, I just want this image for the entire runtime of this episode. Okay. The entire time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. All one hour and 11 minutes minus whatever gets cut out. You know, when like Ken burns it a little bit, zoom in here, pull away there. Oh, you could zoom in on the image. That's fine. Zoom in and out, back and forth. A little panning. Uh-huh. Yeah, as it's relevant to the part of the conversation. A yeah, little sepia right. tone when applicable. So then outside outside of the main polycentric circle, like I was I was content to be done with that, but then you all went deep into math land. I'm like, oh man, okay. This doesn't actually differentiate who really cares about math. So that's when the the, the circle had to break a little bit. So then we started color coding. Uh and there are more color coding to be done hmm. that we're not there yet but so we added a red circle that's extending out slightly that's likes math that is currently encompassing tom zach some segment of relatives of tom david and zach tom students oh and david's sister-in-law is in there too hey lena you're on here i'm not in the likes math i just I, math is fine yeah you are i see it i see the the overlap between David no, and likes math. A L- little bit. Oh, well, no, you got to look where the words are. <laughs> no, this is a circle. This is about circles. I, you can't edit. It's MS Paint. <laughs> and you're like, no, don't pay attention to the circles. You have to pay attention to the words. You can't. It, no, it's, it's where the words are. What kind of mad concoction do you have here? Again, I don't like uh, math, right? That's I'm what just, just proved. I'm just pounding away my ninth margarita here. Uh, I think you're up to 12. Isn't it three an episode? I don't even remember anymore. I've Call had, back. I've had too many. Uh, and then because of the enterprise D discussion, put in Trekkie and I, that one, I put all three of us in, even though Zach apparently stopped being a Trekkie in 1998. I think that's when Voyager went off the air. Uh, that sounds right. I don't remember when it went off the air. So apparently all many Trekkies are, are, are Minecrafters too, according to this flawless logic of this diagram. So actual Romans don't like math. That's probably true. You could, you could also put a little disclaimer saying not drawn to scale. Wait. I have some questions here if it's only the words. No, it's the scale. This is one to one. So actually sorry, this is a two to one. Sorry. Oh, two to one. So so <laughs> what's that? Actual Romans don't like math, if I'm reading this correctly. Only the smartest students don't like well, math. Like, like, Cathedral lovers don't like math. Uh, uh, actual Romans, as we as as I deduced earlier, eyeballed the Coliseum. So okay. they can't really like math. Minecrafters don't like math. Seriously, we need to wrap this up. This is flawless. Only the smartest students are not Trekkies. Cathedral lovers are not Trekkies. Some are. No, you said go by the words. Sec- David. David. Th- this is simultaneously flawless and will continue to be edited. Not unlike America. That's it for now. Check out our podcast website at cathedraltalk.fm. 
There you will find many architectural visuals and Minecraft goodies. If you would like to support our efforts here at Cathedral Talk to aid in the restoration of Notre Dame, please use the direct link on our website to donate to friendsofnotredamedeparis.org. Friends of Notre Dame is a non-profit organization that is leading the international fundraising efforts to rebuild and restore Notre Dame Cathedral. By donating to them through the link at cathedraltalk.fm, we'll know that our podcast is reaching new patrons. As our own Minecraft project progresses, we'll be sure to share plans, screenshots, and videos for your own visual palette. Good day and happy building.